A lot of people are wondering, though, when am I going to go back to work? The kids might be wondering, when are we going to go back to school? And some are wondering, when's my next paycheck going to come in? And personally, I'm wondering, when am I going to be able to see my grandchildren? Got a granddaughter arriving any day, Lord willing. And we would love the opportunity to, to go down and see them and to hold her. It would uh, be difficult to miss that, but certainly understandable if we weren't able to do that. And so in these times of uncertainty and instability, I wanna speak tonight on two things that we can be absolutely sure and certain of. Two things that God wants you to know. It's not about Donald, it's not about David or anybody else. This is a message that God has for you individually and specifically, and it comes from his word. And I'm going to read, first of all, if you'd like to listen or turn to it, in Numbers chapter 32 and 23. And it reads like this, Numbers 32 and 23. And it's really easy to remember because it's in the book of Numbers and the numbers are inverted. So Numbers 32 and 23 reads in, in breaking into that verse, God says, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. You have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. God wants us to know that, that we have sinned against him and that we will be held accountable for our sin. And then finally, in 1 John, towards the end of our Bibles, God's word, 1 John chapter 5, one more thing that God wants us to know, and there's many others, but I'm just going to highlight these two in the scriptures tonight. 1 John chapter 5, and I'll start at verse 12 for connection. John says, he who has the Son, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I love the simplicity of that. That even for young children, there's not a, a word in that verse that contains more than four letters. Read it again. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And John says, finally, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. So two things we want to focus our attention on this evening from God's word. First, he wants us to know that we have sin and all sin is against God. And sin leads to death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And I want us to understand what death means. We've all seen loved ones and have to say, say goodbye to loved ones and it, it's a difficult time. But death is separation. When we think of physical death, it's the separation of our soul and spirit from our bodies. There's a separation. And that which remains is buried in the ground generally. That's physical death. But then there's spiritual death. And that's also a separation. That's the position into which all of us have been born into this world. Spiritually dead. That is spiritually separated from God. And the Bible makes it very clear why that is. God says, your sins have separated between you and God. 
Your sins, my sins, have caused that great gap, that great barrier. It's nothing that God has done. It's not society's fault. The problem is our own. It's our sin. Your sin has separated between you and your God. And then there's eternal death. Sadly, that will happen to all who die in their sins without a Savior, who do not have the Son of God, who do not have eternal life. They will be eternally separated from God. And we don't want that to happen. God, above all others, wants to avoid that, doesn't want you to go through that. And so even when we read verses tonight, like, behold, you have sinned. And be sure your sin will find you out. Even in that, there is good news. And we'll get to that shortly. Notice, first of all, in that verse in Numbers 32 and 23, behold, you have sinned. The seriousness of the problem. It's very serious. And we shouldn't take sin lightly. We shouldn't uh, just become accustomed to, to sinning every day and to think that there would be no consequences, no standing before God. And giving account for all that we do. And for all that we say. And even all that we think. But it's very serious to think that all sin is against almighty God. A holy God in whose hand our breath is. It's very serious. That all mankind has sinned against God. They have, we have rebelled against our creator. We have disobeyed him from our first parents. We're cast out. Of the garden. There was a separation. There was a spiritual death and a physical separation from God, no longer enjoying communion with Him, but sadly being cast out. And that's what will happen in a future day to all who die without Christ, who die in their sins. They too will be cast out from the presence of God to be eternally separated from Him. Very serious. And notice in that verse the certainty of it. He says, be sure, be absolutely sure. And when God says something, you can be sure that it will come to pass. As God said, and shall he not do it? And all the promises of God and in Christ are yea and amen. Nothing will deter God's word from coming to pass. He works in ways that are beyond our understanding, past finding out. And even what's going on, uh, around us in our environment, in our society. God is going to use to further his own purposes. Use this, something that is so bad and devastating and causes so much heartache and difficulty. God's going to use for good. And maybe tonight somebody is listening and just dealing with all that is going on around you has caused you to consider about the brevity of life. The fact that we are not going to be on this earth forever. We should learn to number our days. God describes our, our life as just a vapor. We are here for a time. And then we are gone. And we want you to think very carefully tonight because of how serious this matter is. About where you will be one moment after you die. After your remains are buried and your soul and spirit have gone on to eternity, where will you be? Where will you be? Answer that within the recesses of your own mind. It's between you and God. You don't have to answer to me or to anybody else. And so be very certain 
God says, be sure your sin will find you out. And then he deals with the source of the problem, doesn't he? As we mentioned earlier, the problem is your sin. Your sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. You know, you say, Donald, you're saying this is good news. How is this good news? I'll give you an example, if I may use a personal experience. Many years ago, one summer evening, when the girls were younger and living home, everybody is sound asleep. It's about three in the morning. When suddenly we were awakened by an 85 decibel smoke alarm. And I can't describe to you the adrenaline that quickly rushes through one's body when you're sound asleep and then you hear this shrieking alarm piercing through the, the quiet night air. Now, I was being made aware of possible danger. My entire family was. Would it ha not have been foolish for me to say, well, let me let me go take the battery out of that smoke alarm and kids go back to bed. I took care of the noise. We won't be disturbed anymore. Go back to sleep. All is well again. No, that would have been foolish. That's not what I did. I didn't smell any smoke. And I went through every room of the house and couldn't find any smoke. And finally, our window had been open in our bedroom that night. And I could see just a couple of yards away that somebody had left a smoldering fire in their fire pit. And the smoke was coming our way and being just enough uh, pulled into our house uh, through the attic fan and then right by the smoke alarm. So we were relieved but we were made aware of potential danger. This evening, you are being made aware from God's word through a simple messenger that you are in danger. You are in danger of losing your soul, of losing your soul forever. It is serious and it is solemn. And the source is your sin. It's your sin. And then finally, in Numbers 32 and 23, we read something very solemn, and that is the fact that our sin will be found out. It will be seen. Imagine if behind me on this wall, instead of a, a wonderful gospel verse, John 3, 16, that all the sins that you committed this week were on that wall for everybody to see. Your sins were brought to light. They were exposed. How would you feel? Well, if you're like me, you would feel guilt and you would feel shame and you'd want them taken down immediately. I'm embarrassed. I don't want anybody to know what I've been thinking, what I've been doing, what I've been saying in the course of one week. Imagine a lifetime goes by. And someday you have to stand before almighty God and you have to give account for all that you've done. For all that you've said and for even the thoughts that you've thought throughout your lifetime. You know, we can go back into the early chapters of Genesis and we think of the great flood, the judgment that God brought upon the face of the earth. You know what it says? The reason was it wasn't because of what people were doing. It wasn't because of what people were saying. It says that every imagination of the thoughts of their hearts were evil continually. 
their thoughts were evil, and God brought judgment upon the face of the world. How much more so for all that has been said, for all that has been done. Well, you say, Donald, uh, you don't know me. I I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And that reminds me of a, a young man years ago that ran to the Lord Jesus. And he asked them a, a very important question. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He wanted salvation. He wanted eternal life. And the Lord knew the man's heart. And the Lord pointed him to the law. Because the scripture says, by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so I will use on you tonight what the Lord Jesus used on that man, that he might repent of his sin. And you don't have to answer to anybody except to God. And I just ask that you be honest. Let me ask you this. Here's a commandment. Thou shalt not lie. Have you ever told a lie? What do you call people who tell lies? A liar. Let me ask you another one. Be honest with yourself. Have you ever stolen anything, regardless of value? Not asking if you ever, ever walked into a bank and stolen money. Maybe it took something from work that didn't belong to you, something from school. Maybe when you were younger, you took something from your mother's purse. You say it was just so small, insignificant. It wasn't even missed. What do you call somebody who steals? A thief. Another, another commandment. Here's the question. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? That's a form of blasphemy, and it's very serious. Have you ever used the Lord's name in a way that doesn't honor him and used it as a curse word? Here's another one. Last one we'll do. Have you ever lusted after another person? Have you ever looked at another person with lust? And if we're all honest, we would all say that we're guilty. And if you can say that you are guilty of breaking those commandments, and we've only done four out of 10, by your own admission, not what I'm saying of you, but if you are saying you are guilty of those, then by your own admission, you are a lying thief and a blasphemous adulterer at heart. And I say that with all the love I have for the lost and perishing around us. And God loves you more than anybody else. And he wants you to understand the danger that you're in, that you might repent of your sin and that you might receive his son as your savior. God doesn't want you to stand before him in judgment. He is doing everything within his ability that you might avoid that. He wants you to stand before him in joy. God doesn't want you to stand before him that you might be punished for your sin. God wants you to stand before him that you might praise him for his son. Is he your Lord and Savior? Has he ever forgiven your sins? Do you have eternal life? Is there a moment in your life's experience when you repented of your sin? And then you receive the gift of everlasting life found in Christ alone. We said those words in 1 John 5. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. You have the Son. Is he your Savior? Do you have everlasting life? And finally, we read in 1 John 5 
of what God wants us to know. First, we learn that God wants us to know that we have sinned against him and that our sin will be found out. It'll all be brought to light. It'll all be exposed before him. Nothing is hidden from God. We can hide everything we want from those around us, those whom we love, the person closest to us, but we can't hide anything from the Lord. Nothing is hid from him with whom we have to do. And John says, these things I have written that you might know that you have eternal life. I can say by experience, and there are perhaps hundreds who are nodding their heads in agreement with me at this moment. It's a wonderful thing to wake up every morning knowing that you have eternal life, that you're saved, that your sins are forgiven. And just in closing, I want to tell you a few reasons why the Lord Jesus came. Just to demonstrate how much God actually loves you. How much he cares about the fact that though you are perishing in your sins, though you have sinned against him, you have broken the law, you have broken his commandments, you have disobeyed him, you have rebelled against him, you are spiritually separated from him, dead in trespasses and in sins. And yet even in that, God loves you. And he wants you to be brought near to him. He wants you to be saved. He wants, you to, he wants to make you a child of God, to be born into the family of God, to be born from above, born uh, anew, born again. The Lord Jesus <clears throat> said this. He said, I am come when he came into the world almost 2,000 years ago. I am come that you might have life. And that more abundantly. He wants us to have everlasting life and he wants to live in the enjoyment that we know we have it. We know we have it. Wonderful thing to be saved and to know it and to know that we could never lose it. God has given us eternal life as a free gift. It was free to us, but of the highest cost to himself. For God so loved the world, you, I hope you can notice on that verse behind me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, everlasting life is indeed a free gift from God, but it cost God his son. It cost the Lord Jesus his life. The Lord says that he wants all of us to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And tonight you have been hearing the truth, I trust, from God's word, the truth about your sin, which has separated you from God. And the truth that God wants you to know that you have everlasting life. We read of the Lord Jesus that he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And that he was manifested to take away our sin. And in him is no sin. He is impeccable. He is the sinless, spotless Son of God, who out of love for you and me and love for the, the Father who sent him, went to the cross at Calvary and bore our sins in his own body on the tree. I love that hymn that is so well written that we sometimes sing. All our sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them laid them on him and believing we are free. So just in closing, in summarization, God wants you to know that you have sinned against him and that you need a savior. And he, he warns you for your own good, that you might understand the danger that you're in and that you might repent of your sin 
and that you might receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, realizing that when he died on the cross, he was there for you. He was making payment for your sin. He was satisfying God's righteous demands in regard to your sin and mine. He made payment in full. It is finished. Paid in full. God is satisfied. We trust that you would see your need this evening and that you would come to the Lord Jesus in repentance and receive him as your own Lord and personal Savior. Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share this good news with you. And before I turn it back over to David, we'll just take a moment to pray and ask for God's blessing.